Hi guys, and welcome to Weird Parents, a podcast where we talk about how weird it is being parents. My name's Sammy, I'm on Instagram at poppunkpetsandparenthood, and I'm joined, as per usual, by the old husband, Coop. What's up? I'm here. You're here. We're both here. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do this. <laughs> We've had a pretty tiring day, week. Yeah, the usual. Bees ill. I've had a chest x-ray. Can hear a coughing now coughing behind us. Yeah, I've had a chest X-ray waiting for the results. It's all, it's all fun and games. It's just been a difficult one, hasn't it? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> Today we are doing part three of weird and disturbing children's books. Mm. I've, like honestly, the list is just out of control. I've got too many. You keep finding more and more. <clears throat> I enjoy them. I enjoy them though. Oh, they're amazing! Like. I like the older ones. The older ones are the weirder ones. Like the Danil Calm stuff last week with uh, the crazy Russian um, kids writer who he yeah. wasn't really a kids writer to start with, but people told him that he should be a kids writer to kind of shield himself from the Soviet government. So have you purposely gone out of your way to find disturbing ones this time around? Or? I wouldn't say I've gone out of my way. Like, the disturbing ones come up first. They, they came to me. <laughs> yeah, the, dis- the more disturbing ones and the, the freakier ones... Appear to you in a dream. <laughs> they come up easier, like, when I'm searching around. Appear to you it's in the, a dream. It's the weirder ones are hard to find because they're more obscure. Right. Like, stuff that just, like, not... You've got to know what you're searching for. Yeah, you've got to, like, go deep. You've got to go to the bottom to find, like, you know, stuff like that. So yeah, I've got some I've got some really disturbing ones today, which I'll give a trigger warning before we do it. Oh no. Then okay. I've also got some more weird ones. Cool. The weird ones are the fun ones. Good. I'm looking forward to it. One little update from me uh, this week is that fireworks night was a fucking oh. nightmare for our for our pets it was an absolute nightmare as every year is it's horrible i'm not a fan i think they should be banned for sale to the general public i think they should be at organized events only and once yeah one, one night one night like you don't have to do it over well the the altercation that i had with members of the public oh, was it, on, a, on the monday night so we have Friday, which is fine. That was the fifth, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. We can give that. We had the Saturday, okay, bloody weekend, whatever. Sunday was quieter, but on the Monday night, yeah, right outside our house, literally like the field directly behind our 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 fence. Yeah, probably about nine o'clock at night, which is owned by the council, by I'm, the way. I'm doing doing the washing up or whatever. Just hear a massive rocket go up. Yeah, and like it like was loud enough to like get my attention right away because it's right outside the garden dog freaks so the dog fucking pissed itself on the floor ran into a into a bed so i'm like right this is it i'm going out walked out expecting bees in bed yeah expecting to see some like teenagers or something Mm. no it was a group of like 50 year old adults like mid 50s and then maybe two teenagers with them that are probably like their grandkids or something and they couldn't hear me, obviously, because the fucking fireworks were going off and they had, like, a fountain going and stuff. Um, but I walked over and I said, like I usually do, you, what, the what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and two of the women turned around and just like, uh, uh, sorry, sorry. Oh, the cat's just come to hiss at the dog. 
Don't go in her crate, Luna. Sorry. Oh. There we go. The cat is currently Luna's climbing all to, over the table. She's come to take part in the pod. Do you have something to add to add to today's episode? Do you have something to say about those fireworks that you even you didn't like those ones and they don't tend to phase you, but because it was directly behind the house, she was hiding behind yeah. our bed, like our cushions on our bed. They sucked. Meow. Yeah. Meow. Can we hear your, your opinion? It's all right. She's, her takes are way too hot for the mic. They are. Yeah. Way too hot. But yeah, anyway, two of the women turned around and like they re, like knee jerk just went, uh, sorry. Um, and as they said that, the bloke who was setting off the fireworks with one of the teenagers, um, one of the fireworks fell over and misfired across the field that it was on. Scorching the grass. Scorching the grass. Like, there was just fucking chaos. He tripped over the box of fireworks that he had in front of him trying to run away. And I was just like, oh my God, you are just fucking idiots, aren't you? Um, anyway, I said like, like, what are you doing? Like, it's fucking Monday night. I've got a baby up there. I've got a dog pissing on the floor in there. And they were just like, oh, we're allowed to do it, aren't we? I was just like, I just didn't have any words for them because they were just that moronic. Um, and then the, the bloke came over. He's like, all right, we're moving on. We're moving on. Idiot under his breath. Mm. And then, like, they just, like, started to pack. I stood there while they packed up all their shit and went. I still called the police, though, because I wanted to. Because you're a narc. No, I am a narc. I'm sorry, it's right by trees. They could have set yeah, exactly. trees on fire. There's our bloody field where there's trees everywhere. Leaves. Yeah. A load of dead leaves at it's the moment. It's fucking autumn. Anyway, fucking ground my gears royally. It did, you but went like, out. <laughs> they, oh, remember, because one of them turned around and went, there's no need to swear. You were like, I'll and do I more like, than swear. There's no need to fucking set off explosives behind my house at nine o'clock at night. <laughs> Twat. <laughs> oh. Anyway. Ground my gears right up. Never been so attracted to you in my life. <laughs> well, usually it's it's kids that I'm shouting it at, is, isn't it? These are, who, I mean, absolute morons. There wasn't even, like, kids with them. These teenagers were, like, 16, mm. 17 mm. years old. It's so stupid. thing yeah. is, if you want to do fireworks, like, in your own garden, yes, there isn't anything we can do about it. But that was, on, it's on council-owned land, and it's directly behind our house. Oh, yeah, I said, I said, like, there's houses everywhere around here. I said, there's there's families in that house, there's families in that house. Yeah, those rockets land somewhere. That's the other thing people forget is that they fucking land somewhere. And, you know, if they land on a car that's driving or they land in someone's garden... Horse fields all around us. Oh, the horses. I feel so sorry for horses as well. People forget that fireworks don't just trigger animals. They trigger trigger people with PTSD from wars as well. Like, it's it's not good in any way. Horse owners as well... Horses, if they are out in the field, people will be like, oh, you should bring them in. Fine, if you have stables or you are able to bring them in. Some people aren't able to bring their horses in. And a lot of horse owners end up standing in fields with their horses in the middle of the night, holding on to them to try and keep them calm while fireworks going off over their heads. And it's so dangerous. And when they break their legs or their backs trying to jump out of fields or jump over fences and stuff out of pure panic because they're prey animals, but it's all right because, you know, it's just a bit of fun. We're just sending explosives up into the air. That's just us having a bit of a whinge. It is. But, yeah, fuck, if if that guy's listening, uh, you're probably local, but just... Fuck you, dude. Yeah, fuck you. I'm not an idiot. I'm not you're, an idiot. You're the idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want any advice on how to help your pets during fireworks, I have got a post on my page, on my Instagram, um, about helping your pets deal with them. Uh, but you can always speak to your vets as well about getting some medication if need be. 
but she did all right for her. Winnie did all right for her first she was, night. She was fine. Just, Apart from that, that Monday just really yeah, scared her. But it's just now as well. She doesn't like going out in the garden, does she? In the night time, she thinks yeah. they're going to go off again. Poor thing. Poor baby. Okay. Weird and disturbing books. Let's Part go. three. Let's go. Part three. Cool. So the first one that we're going to talk about is another German kind of older tale. Well, of book, course it is. It was a book of tales called, um, I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, but it's Struvel Peter. Right. Is this going to remind me of the John Vader or whatever it was off of Big Mouth Christmas episode? <laughs> yeah, maybe it is. Yeah, if you haven't seen the latest season of Big Mouth, uh, there's a very The Christmas haunting... episode. Haunting tale called Vader Jean. Was it Jean? Johan or something? Yep. Vada Johan. That's it. Vada Johan. Yeah. But like this this is what the the illustrations kind of look like from the 20th century edition. Oh my god, is that Freddy Krueger? <laughs> is that Freddy Krueger? That's the that's the front cover. Um oh, which is uh, shock-haired Peter. I think that's what the translation is. Okay. And it's a guy that didn't um he wasn't very hygienic. So he's got long fingernails and Ew. he's got long hair. Ew. And okay. no one likes him because he's unhygienic. Oh. Yeah, poor Struval Peter. Poor Struval Peter. But the story that I'm going to talk about today. Oh, I think I need to tell the people about what you've been doing today. Oh, go on. What did you buy from the internet, Coop? And what did you... I'm, I'm, hor- I'm horrified. I'm yeah, I'm I horrified. think you should say it because it... <sighs> grosses you out so much i didn't realize you actually did he mentioned to me that he wanted to get one of those fucking foot grater things if you've ever seen them there used to be like the ped egg didn't it was the one on jml ped egg he wanted to get an actual grater to grate the dead skin off of his feet he was talking to me about it and feet and me were just no we're not we're not friends and um he actually ordered it yeah i mean i've used pumice stones before but i'm a runner i do a lot of running just doesn't, I'm a runner. Just doesn't quite do it for me. So I so had to he, get the grater. He called me into the kitchen and was like, you need to see this. I was like, I don't want to see this. He's like, look at it. And it is literally like a cheese grater with a handle. And he was <laughs> stood by the back door with his foot and just started grating it and was like, oh, look at the parmesan. <laughs> oh, I threw up in my mouth. Even the dog was like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> I said I was going to grate it onto your pasta tonight. Oh, I? it's horrible. I've got Horrendous. a video. I'm going to put that on Instagram. Times are a changing boy, it's your turn. <laughs> okay, the story that I'm going to talk about from this collection is called The Story of the Thumb Sucker. So, a mother warns her son, Conrad, that he should stop sucking his thumb. Right. Okay? Yeah. Like, we've all been there. I used to suck my thumb as a kid. Yeah. Sometimes people put nail varnish, don't they, on uh-huh. the thumb to get them, that's what happened to me, uh-huh. to get them to stop. Sucking their thumb. Oh, I had that from biting my nails, but it didn't work. Oh, you just kept, you just, just kept got through it. it. Yeah. Hashtag anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, the mother leaves the house, all right? He hasn't stopped sucking his thumb at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so he keeps sucking his thumb. But where his mum is out of range, which doesn't know what's going on, a roving tailor comes along and cuts his thumb off with a, pi- a pair of giant scissors. Oh, my word. Yeah. A, a roaming tailor, just like... That's what the summary says, a okay. roaming tailor. And that's the illustration oh of my poor little comrade's thumb getting cut off. Oh, that's sad. With, they're not scissors. They're like hedge trimmers like or hedge something. hedge trimmers. They're like insane scissors. Yeah. Aww. Poor little Conrad. 
Why that tailor looks menacing AF. Although but, he is doing a beautiful, beautiful um, point with his toot, <laughs> isn't he? But that's a beautiful teach, split jump. That will teach him for God, sucking his thumb. That's horrible. And that's a book. Yeah. So there's the, that collect. We might have to talk about it in future because there's more in there. But there's loads of those little like cautionary tales for kids that aren't quite fairy tales, but they're little right, little weird ones like that. All these joint edge things. So yeah, so it's a German collection of, of short stories from the 19th century. Cool. I mentioned the first story in that book called Shock-Haired Peter, hmm. which I think is the title of the book. Yeah. Which has also been adapted into some kind of musical. I'm sorry? So it's been adapted into some kind of like, you know, like Cirque du Soleil thing. Right. Um, I'll just quickly show you oh, no. what that looks like. Is this like. going to disturb me? I'll just show you the beginning of it. I don't know too much about this, but it's called Shock-Headed Peter. Huh. No, don't like it already. No. No. Don't like it already. <laughs> what are you seeing? Describe it. A terrifying clown guy with a magnifying glass that he's making his eyes and his mouth really big. I don't know what this has got to do with the, the short story. I don't like it. Because I didn't watch the whole thing. No. No, thank you. Oh, it's like a mime thing. Yeah, it's like an expressionist, oh. expressionist kind of thing. I'm isn't not, it? No. I think this is the trailer for the show. No. It's a seven-minute trailer. No. One fine summer's day went out. This is creepy. To see the shops and walk about. And as he found it, Hoppo fellow. Oh my word. The thespians got hold of this and just. <laughs> when it would noisy little well. Made it for the theatre. He came out and waved his flag. No. And William came in jacket shrimp. Okay, what? <laughs> No, this is the kind of thing that you would get laughing gas and watch oh. and just lose your mind. That's not Cirque du Soleil, Coop. That's <laughs> Cirque du Fuck, is that? <laughs> what do you rate Struvel Peter or Struffle Peter, however you pronounce it? <laughs> that is nightmare worthy. I'd probably say let's give it a five. It's really scary. <laughs> the thespians got hold of that story and just... Went with it, just ransacked. Horrific. Okay, the next one I'm going to talk about is another uh, Russian poet. Okay. So last week we talked about Daniil Kams, who was like an absurdist children's writer. Mm -hmm. This guy's a contemporary of his. Okay. Um, he also had a really horrible end where he was sent to a gulag camp as well also and arrested Jeez. for writing um, stuff that wasn't patriotic enough. Mm. So he died in exile as well in That's Serbia. Um, his name was Olsip Mendelstam, um, but he wrote a book in 1925 called mm -hmm. Primus. Okay. And the poem we're going to talk about today is called Poems for Melting Children. Melting Children? For Melting Children. Oh. So these are the illustrations that came along with it. That's horrible. 
but you children kind of, in a melting pot. Yeah, you kind of got like kids sat in a little pot mm. melting. Mm. But yeah, the the <laughs> so the actual poem translated goes: "I'm raw and uneducated. It's easy for me to become yogurt," <coughs> said the raw milk to the boiled. But the boiled answers tenderly: "I'm no Molly Coddle. I have skin." That's disgusting. Okay. So essentially, in, in that illustration, what we've got is a uh, raw milk kind of having a conversation with some boiled milk. Okay. And the raw milk is boasting that, you know, all its products can be turned into like yogurt, mm. sour cream, whatever all, milk gets turned stuff. into. But um, boiled milk... Has skin. Yeah, basically. Right. In, in other translations, it's saying, I'm no sissy. Like, I have oh, skin. Oh, I see. I just, I don't get it. <laughs> and like the other illustrations in this this particular poem are just a bit strange. Like they're very like rudimentary, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that iron has got a terrifying face. Oh, that's horrible. Um, what's that got to do with children? <laughs> I'm guessing there's children in the pot, in the milk. So I don't really understand. That is weird, isn't it? It's really strange. Very, very odd. In the illustration, there's like kids sat in the milk. Creepy. But again, like Danil Calms, it's just like complete absurdism. Mm. Um, and there was an article in the New Yorker about this kind of Russian literature, around how they had to be really patriotic in a way and to match the Soviet guidelines for art. Mm. But at the same time, they're obviously trying to push the boundaries as much as they can to make like revolutionary art yeah that is kind of trying to inspire the younger generations it doesn't doesn't matter that it makes zero sense (laughs) well in that way it makes zero sense because they're kind of trying to get out of the guidelines aren't they they're trying to argue against the guidelines a little bit yeah i see it but yeah it's just fucking strange it's weird 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 okay trigger warning or content warning for this one guys Mm. so this one deals with themes of racism I say against Native Americans. There's a really strange one. Again, doesn't make too much sense to the to the layman. Okay, aka me. But I think it's just it's born out of complete cultural ugh. ignorance ugh. and insensitivity. Just ugh, just yeah, ugliness. Just straight up. Ugh. Yeah. Cool. It's called Brave Mr. Buckingham, and yeah. it's by Dorothy Kundhard. So this is an American author in 1935. Um, she also wrote one of the first ever touch and feel books for children. Really? Yeah. That's called a weird Pat the Bunny. I don't know if you've heard of it. <laughs> Pat the Bunny, children. I think, I think that was like, yeah, 1940s kind of time. Oh, dear. So I'll show you the illustrations first. And I guess you can try and make heads or tails of it. But... It's like, again, quite rudimentary. It's just like red and black colours. Mm-hmm. But this this main character is brave Mr. Buckingham, oh. who's a Native American, right? Yeah, that animation's horrific. But the story behind it is, it's been like, I think it's quite a rare book, so you can't really get it in many places. Yeah, it's I'm only surprised. In, in libraries yeah. in, in like America and stuff. But essentially, the story is about an uncle telling his, his nephew about being brave. Right. So he tells the story about brave Mr. Buckingham, which is a strange name for a Native American. Yeah, 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 massively so. But the the joke in the book is that his actual name is so long 
His like Native American name is so long that you wouldn't be able to pronounce it. So people call him Mr. Buckingham or Brave Mr. Buckingham. Okay. Which is weird already to start with. That's just a, just a nice little sneaky insult there. Yeah. That your uh, name's too long to bother well, pronouncing. Yeah, because it does actually write out its full name in the book and it's just offensive. That's just so stupid. Um, but essentially, Brave Mr. Buckingham, the Native American, is so brave that he doesn't really feel pain. So he accidentally gets his leg chewed up by a chainsaw. What? Accidentally? Dis- yeah, gets dismembered. I think one of his other limbs is eaten by a fish. Um, and generally all these kind of things happen to him. He's getting dismembered. Yeah, slowly, until at the end of the book, he's just a head. Uh, sorry, with his headdress on. Oh, I hate the fact... This is th- That animation is horrific. So the headdress is huge. Um, and he's been... Pe- literally, his skin is red. Yeah. It's horrible. That's horrific. Yeah. But the... it's a story within a story. So it's an uncle telling this kid who's too scared to get his tooth pulled out. Mm. And he's telling him to be brave, like brave Mr. Buckingham. Okay. So it's just perplexed people for years, this book. It was written in the 1930s. Yeah. And even now, like, it's just such a bad, shitty book. (laughs) Yeah, like that doesn't... No, I'm I'm not a fan of that. So the other book that this Dorothy... This lady, is the touchy-feely one, right? Yeah, the, the other book that she wrote. Someone called Aaron Zim parodied it, uh, parodied it mm. with a book called Pat the Zombie. <laughs> and there's a bit of like a, a macabre mashup, it says, right. on um, Goodreads, where um, all the tactile features of the book are kind of like revolting, reimagined ones. Okay. Compared to like the original is the like oh bit of fluff yeah, yeah. the cutesy thing well, these are a bit like oh bit of brains yeah <laughs> bit like that so I like that hopefully one day no one does that for the brave Mr Buckingham book oh. hopefully that just sits in a library somewhere it's and slowly rots, rots yeah. yeah not good what do you rate that one two not even two one <laughs> minus ten thousand <laughs> yeah. So the French, I know we've spoken a bit about... The French. <laughs> I know we've spoken about Russians and Germans a little bit. In Let's these, talk about the French. In these. But apparently the French, like, really take the biscuit for the weirdest kids' books. Every American listening to this now is like, oh, the English are going to say <laughs> something about the French. But, like, I think because naturally the French have quite like a... Careful. They've got a very, like puerile sense of humour haven't they yes yes very like I don't want to say immature but like my sense of humour basically yeah yeah definitely yeah and I think as a kid that is like really exaggerated okay with the French yeah um but obviously when you've got puerile humour it's dark as well there's like Mm. really dark elements to it again your sense of (laughs) humour so this one is called um the ABCs of anger Mm -hmm. by Emmanuel Hodar it was written in 2008. Okay. Um, there's a lot of red and black going on this week in the illustrations, but yeah. people saying that the front, <gasps> the front cover's got a koala on <gasps> it. He's okay. really, really creepy. He is super creepy, isn't he? What is he why is he holding a kid's head? Yeah. <laughs> why is he holding a kid's head? That's creepy. I'm just looking at this one, right? Yeah, it's, well, it's this whole thing. Okay. And yeah, essentially what it is, is each page is like an A, a B, a C. I see, I see. About... Helping kids regulate their emotions, especially oh, anger. Oh, I like that. So, yeah, it's got a nice message behind it, mm. but it's just Is done... Is killer K for killer koala? <laughs> I don't know where he features in, but 
the illustrations in it are so creepy. Creepy. So I'm going to talk about the first one, which is abdomen, Ooh. which is A. Okay. Um, I couldn't really get translations for any of the others, so I'll just talk about A for now. Okay. But uh, this is the summary. So some mums, you know, they always mean well, but sometimes they never get angry, these mums. Hmm. The anger, therefore, stays inside of them, deep in the abdomen. Okay. Sometimes in the company of a baby who will eventually come out. This child will then roll on the floor screaming in front of the supermarket checkout and it will not surprise anyone. Oh, basically blaming the mother for if they have an angry child. Yeah. Tantrums are normal, people. So some mums keep a lot of rage inside, but they should let it out. Right. Otherwise it will make their baby sick. Oh, that's... I mean, stress, yes. Yeah. That's interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I don't think it's grounded in reality As too I said, I don't feel there's much scientific <laughs> support to that claim. But they do say, don't they, that you, the more stressed you are, then your baby might be predisposed to being stressed. I've got a, a little translation as well for R, which is reconciliation. Mm-hmm. But I just couldn't make heads or tails of it. I think it's just a bad translation. Right. So I won't read that one out. But if, if I read a bit of what I found... Okay. Uh, the bit that you can make sense of. Yeah. Something about kissing a ladybug. In oh, there. okay. That was completely like um, pulled out your arts. <laughs> there is only one ant step that is one... There is only one ant step that one is reluctant to take. That is why we coined the word sorry, which simplifies things and shortens distances. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I don't I don't get the, the ladybug reference, but... No. I think... I'm, I don't know what the um, illustration is It's like, is it a small that. step to feeling better and but it's a difficult one and that is saying sorry yeah yeah i like that i see you but like yeah that's just more of the illustrations this is f which is like a cat being pulled whoa okay hang fire what is that kid wearing that kid is wearing spiky underpants yeah what pulling a cat in a suit yeah and a fish. A fish bowl with the fish. There's no water in it. Mm. Very weird. Creepy, creepy. I like the theory behind it, but creepy. Okay. So those those have all been a bit weird. Obviously, the racial one was horrible. Mm. This one is downright disturbing. Okay. But I think it's a, it's a good kid's book. So another been, trigger warning. Yeah. So we'll do a trigger warning on this one as well as it deals with the atom bomb and Hiroshima. Okay. Wow. And this is a kid's book? It's a kid's book. Okay. It's for older children, so like 9 to 12, it says. Okay. But it's called Hiroshima no Pika Uh from 1981. And what it is, is it's telling the story of Hiroshima from the perspective of civilians. Mm -hmm. So it starts about a little girl and her family and... Essentially what the scenes were at Hiroshima during World War Two, where the atom bomb was dropped by the Americans. So again, really kind of Oh my goodness. Realistic um illustrations. That's really sad. Children gripping onto their mothers and stuff. That's horrible. They like dark illustrations as well. Yeah. So a lot of it is like just bodies flowing down rivers. They're saying, like, all their clothes have been ripped off the bodies. Oh, that's horrible. It's a kid just staring at their hands covered in blisters, and that's just horrific. 
So what they said is this book is like dedicated yeah. to the to the people of Hiroshima. Um and it's disturbing and it's really horrible, but it's rated really highly because it is an educational it's, book it's, at the end of the day. Yeah. Um and it is for it's not aimed at young children, it's for older children mm. to kind of educate. educate them and tell them about that this happened. It wasn't like something that, you know, in quotations ended World War Two. It was like people say it's like a necessary evil oh, or whatever. No. But this is kind of highlighting that those were real people. Yeah, well, that's the big thing. That is the main thing, isn't it, with war and all of these decisions that big fat cats make. They forget that there's actually real people on the other end. Yeah, and people in the West just love to give themselves a big thumbs up, like, oh, yeah. oh we well ended done. the war with yeah. with the atom bomb or whatever. Yeah. And really there's, like, a whole... Murdered a load reality of to people. It. But yeah, that's, an, like, the illustrations, again, in that are all kind of, like really red and really dark yeah dark and warped yeah which i didn't plan for all of these illustrations oh really you didn't, didn't <laughs> no. you? just type in creepy red red and black illustrations okay the last one that i'm going to talk about today mm. is called tales for the midnight hour Ooh. so this is a precursor to goosebumps and a right. precursor to scary stories to tell in the dark Ooh. written in the 1970s and well, it was written by someone called J.B. Stamper, who she was like, the, I guess the progenitor of these like children's, children's creepy... Children's ghost stories. Yeah, yeah. creepy stories. Um, she wrote for like 20 years. Oh, wow. Just in this like collection. Okay. But yeah. the, f- the first one apparently is like one of the creepiest books. Okay. That's that's the cover art for it. We've got a little... Cows for the Midnight Hour and it's a creepy... Little skelly man, he's very dapper though. Yeah, in a suit, in his little suit, looks like he's spacing out slightly. He does, he looks like he's got diamonds for eye for irises. But yeah, this was like before scary stories to tell in the dark and goosebumps and all that kind mm. of stuff. Probably influenced like R.L. Stein and stuff to oh, write cool. goosebumps, I reckon. Have I never heard of this? Yeah, I it must, it's out of our generation, yeah, isn't it? We had goosebumps. Mm. This is for, like, Gen X and up, isn't yeah. it? Cool. So the story I'm going to talk about today is called The Mirror, mm-hmm. which I thought was, like, the creepiest one that I came across. Is it going to make me have a night, like, not be able to look in our mirror when we go to bed? Well, we'll find out. Oh. Turns out existential, you think, on a daily basis. But no. So, Hugo Hugen was a solitary man who lived a solitary existence of his own choosing. Mm. He worked as an accountant during the week. Of course and on, he did. And on the weekend, he watched TV and saw it through his mail. Um, he loved it. Loved being alone. <laughs> he loved it. <laughs> he loved a miserable existence all alone. Living his best life. Um, and he thought he was fine. Yeah. He thought. Oh. You see, there were times when Hugo felt strange. Being alone for so long, he sometimes didn't recognise the sound of his own voice. He wasn't used to talking as much since he rarely had someone to talk to. One morning, Hugo was gripped with a horrifying sensation. When he looked in the bathroom mirror, he was certain the person looking back at him wasn't him. What? Hugo didn't believe this person was him, that these weren't his features, not his eyes, not his nose, not his mouth. He was certain that he looked different to the reflection in the mirror. Hugo thought that maybe this was a trick of the light in the bathroom, altering his reflection. But looking at himself reflected in his cereal, his spoon, though distorted, it was still a stranger. And unfortunately, Hugo had no pictures of himself at all to prove what he really looked like. Oh no. Not even a driver's license. 
thoroughly worried, Hugo gained momentary relief when his neighbour, Mrs Reynolds, addressed him by name. So maybe his face had changed back from the reflection. Only once he got on the bus to work, he looked in the mirror at the front of the vehicle, and still that reflection was different. No one said anything to Hugo as he entered work, but he was convinced he was walking around with the face of a stranger. He got up several times to inspect himself in the bathroom, but every time his reflection looking back was alien and unknown to him. This problem went on for days as Hugo was haunted by this stranger that had invaded his life, a stranger only he was aware of. It was on a Friday that Hugo was finally able to look in a mirror and see himself. The stranger had vanished and Hugo's face was back once more. He was so happy he didn't notice the odd look Mrs Reynolds gave him as he left his house, and he didn't think it odd how quiet it suddenly got in his office when he went to his desk. And oh, Miss Rose, the head clerk, was in a good mood as she jokingly asked why he was sitting at Mr Hugo's desk. (laughs) And then slowly, Hugo stopped laughing as his mind spiralled into madness. Who are you? That's horrible. (laughs) <laughs> good that's that's very good and very ahead of its time but that is also horrible yeah and they're all like that all the stories are very like they some of them are scary but See, like some lived, of them are existential if you lived by like yourself that. that would really that could really fuck you up boy yeah <laughs> that was a summary by someone called jude de luca right um on pointhorror.com um that good was a really summary, good, good summary. summary yeah but yeah that apparently that collection is one of the scariest ones oh that is that's quite creepy have you ever done that where you've looked at your reflection so for like so long that you think like your different features look weird yeah you look at yourself and you're like have i always had <laughs> uh, i always had a mole there yeah and you kind of like think oh i'm just like a brain in a skeleton yeah. <laughs> inside of this yeah. weird body yeah pretty much <laughs> <laughs> look, at, <laughs> look at my bones and skin <laughs> okay i'll just do one more on uh he can't help himself on this collection but this one's called the furry collar (laughs) kinky 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 so the protagonist who doesn't have a name tries not to think about her best friend anymore not after what happened to susan oh no susan during christmas vacation (laughs) she stayed over at susan's house while susan's parents were out of town visiting friends okay susan didn't want to be alone in her big gloomy house and the two girls managed to have fun together. Mm. Around midnight, they decided to go to bed, and Susan broke out this really gorgeous velvet robe she got as a Christmas gift. It was coloured blood red and had a thick furry collar. It made Susan look like she came out of a Dracula movie or something. I thought you were going to say it looked like she was coming out of a vagina or something. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, this took a turn. (laughs) However, Susan's house was much bigger and darker than the main character thought. The two eventually ran up the stairs to Susan's room, feeling something was behind them. In the safety of Susan's room, the girls began to feel silly and laughed, wondering why they were so scared. That's when they heard the noise. It sounded like someone was sharpening a knife on an emery stone or something. So they they laugh about it. They're like, no, that's not what it is. Oh, don't worry about that. Look at my crazy furry collared robe. <laughs> anyway, the sound persisted, like, with that scraping noise. Oh. So the main character noticed the odd look in Susan's eyes as the sound continued. And before she could do anything, Susan bolted from the room and turned the lights off behind her. From the inside of the bedroom, the main character hears Susan's footsteps moving down the stairs, 
followed by that same scraping noise. (gasps) Susan's footsteps slowed as she reached the final flight of stairs, like she didn't want to go further, but then the scritch sound ceased. However, the main character was gripped with a sensation of fear, preventing her from turning the light back on. She thought it would be safer to wait until Susan returned. Hell, she'd wait for Susan's parents to come back the next day if needs be. The darkness of the room was more of a comfort than the unknowing darkness outside. Finally, the main character began to hear footsteps again, heading back up the stairs. She thought it was Susan, but they sounded too heavy. Oh no. Almost deliberate, like someone wanted her to know they were coming. The protagonist decided the one thing they could do was to wait for the door to open. Then she'd stick her hand out. If she felt the furry collar of Susan's robe, everything would be okay. If she reached her hand out and felt something else, well, then it wouldn't be okay, would it? The footsteps seemed to take forever to get to the room. When the door finally swung open, the main character stuck her hand out and was immensely relieved to feel the furry collar of Susan's robe. Uh And then the hand trailed up further to the bloody stump where Susan's head (gasps) used to be. No! That is monstrous. (laughs) Monstrous! Oh! So a friend That's got... like the dog licky thing. That is. That must be where it originated. Do you reckon? Oh! Susan! If, if you don't know, don't know what the dog licky thing is, um, you might have to go back a few episodes to the Kids Are Creepy episode or last week's episode where we talked to Showgirl68 about a really horrific um, story that she heard at Brownies. Yeah. It's it's horrendous. Oh my god! But that's probably where it came from, that. isn't it? I'm gonna have nightmares about that. Where's her head? Where's her head? <laughs> Where's her head? Where's your head at? Furry, Where's your head furry at? rope. Furry Shall rope. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, would you rate that collection? Well, I would have preferred it to be a vagina than that whole thing. That was. <laughs> I mean, that's scarier than like goosebumps. That was terrifying. Yeah. That's like a nine. That's super super spoopy. Yeah. Yeah. I knew where it was going. Yeah. I just wasn't I just wasn't ready. So whoever was sharpening that, that knife or whatever. It's cutting off her head. Yeah. Oh <laughs> not okay. Not okay. And well, I'm that... we- and I'm wearing a dressing gown right Ooh, now. Oh, you're wearing a furry robe. <laughs> oh, don't touch me. <laughs> that's that's all I've got today. I mean Are you gonna end that on that note? I think I think the list um, is getting longer and longer. So we'll do another part one day. But we've also got um, our guest spot with Shirley, um, Shellgirl68, to finish off, where we do a dramatic reading from the book Wayside School is Falling Down. Mm-hmm. Wayside School was another collection of, like... They weren't scary stories. Peculiar books. Just, like, like creepy mm. but funny. Yeah. Peculiar. Yeah, peculiar. Peculiar. Yeah, so we read um, a little short story called Freedom, Chapter yeah. 7. And it's dramatic. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, we get into it. We do get into it. So, Shirley, what weird and strange books do you remember from like your childhood and early teen life? One series that I really loved when I was young, and this is that I sent you uh, an an excerpt from, was the Wayside School series. Oh, that rings a bell. You heard about it. Yeah. So 
Um, I'm just, can I just read the little blurb that's on the back of the book? Yeah, go yeah, for it. Yeah, of course. It says, this book contains 30 stories about the children and teachers at Wayside School. But before we get to them, there's something you should know about. There's something you should know so that you don't get confused. Wayside School was accidentally built sideways. It was supposed to be only one story tall with 30 classrooms in a row, but instead it is 30 stories high with one classroom on each story. The builder said he was very sorry. <laughs> the children of Wayside School <laughs> like having a sideways school. They have an extra large playground. The children and teachers described in this book all go to the class on the top floor. So they are 30 stories from the 30th story of Wayside School. It has been said that these stories are strange and silly. That's probably true. However, when I told the story, uh, stories about you to the children at Wayside, they thought you were strange and silly. That's also <laughs> probably true. <laughs> so it's just like kind of a quirky, weird series. Yeah. Um, there's um, there's a chapter that's written backwards. Really? And it doesn't make sense until you kind of get to the end and put it together that you're supposed to read it the other way around. And then it's actually like a story about a girl who needs to read stories backwards. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's kind of meta. Um, there's one, there's one really like creepy one about a teacher who does this trick where she wiggles her ears and pulls her nose and turns kids into apples. <laughs> And standard, then the, standard the twist trick. at the end, they like hold a mirror up when she's doing it. She's turned into an apple. And then the yard teacher, Lewis, comes in, shines it on his shirt and eats it. Cannibalism. cannibalism. <laughs> yeah, that's the, it's one of two cannibalism themes in the book. There's another story about a girl who brings a train hopping hobo to school for show and tell. And he talks about uh, a friend of his who was eaten by cannibals. And everyone in, was in, in the class was scared except for one kid because she thought he said they were eaten by cannonballs. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> common theme that goes right back to the beginning of literature with fairy tales and people eating children and stuff. <laughs> yeah, which it's interesting that they throw that in so many kids stories because i don't think cannibals are a real risk in the real like when you grow up it's not something you face too often you only really hear about it in like uh like there's always like stories in like continental europe isn't there about like these really polite cannibals that like invite people over for dinner and they're like oh i thought we were having you for dinner and it's like no 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 oh it's all just a big misunderstanding i think that was an episode of the it crowd that's literally it about cannibals you hear in the Western world. Yeah, but we, we were sure warned about them <laughs> yeah. a lot. Definitely. <laughs> that and quicksand. Yeah, I haven't come across it once. Yet. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe when you go to the Bermuda Triangle for the first time. Yeah, I saw a tweet once that was like, so did the Bermuda Triangle just stop doing that? <laughs> did they solve it? <laughs> yeah, you don't. You never hear about it anymore. Yeah. Oh, I have written down a song, a little song they sing from the book, um, and the lyrics are, "Wayside." This is to the tune of "My Fair Lady." 
Wayside school is falling down. The kids go splat as they hit the ground. Broken bones and blood and gore. We don't have to go to school no more. That's brilliant. <laughs> that is awesome. So I was obsessed with these books and I hated scary stuff when I was a kid. But for some reason I didn't find this scary. It's probably because it kind of, the com- of is. Yeah, the comedy it's aspect silly, of it though, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it silly? Yeah, kids love silly, like really silly stuff. Yeah. Oh, I love them. And I would just read them again and again. There's four books in the series. Um, they're great. They're written by the author of The Book Holes. Ah, really? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I never read Holes. but I've read Holes, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I might put that on my uh, list for my stream. Yeah, like I would never have linked that to those together, actually. The That's film is really good. I've seen the film. Yeah, you'd never seen the film till I made you watch the film. Yeah, I honestly only watched it like a couple of years ago. It's awesome. And now you say Madame Zaroni all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't you? <laughs> Madame Zaroni. Yeah. You must carry me up the mountain. Yeah, big wreck, big wreck. Yeah. <laughs> so do we want to read a little bit of Wayside School? Yeah, so I've included, uh, I emailed you a chapter. So all the chapters, like I guess the back of the book told us. Each chapter is about a different kid. Mm. Um, and this is actually a chapter. I have a tattoo from, oh, this, wow. from this one. So that's kind of why I picked this one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Chapter seven, freedom. Myron crumbled a cracker on the windowsill next to his desk, then looked away. He knew oddly came only when nobody was looking. A little while later, a bird landed on the windowsill and ate the crumbs. Myron watched him out of the corner of his eye. He was a black bird with a pink breast. Myron named him Oddly. Myron had named him Oddly. Is that your dumb bird again? Asked Kathy. No, said My- Myron. Oddly's not my bird. I don't own him. He doesn't live in a cage. Oddly is free. You're a bird brain, said Kathy. Myron watched Oddly fly away. It made him sad and glad at the same time. He wished he could fly away across the sky with Oddly. Oh. Do you want to do the next page? Let's do it. Okay. Oddly probably thinks I live in a cage, he realised. Whenever he sees me, I'm sitting in this same desk. He probably thinks this desk is my cage. So Myron got out of his chair and sat on the floor. Myron, what are you doing out of your seat? asked Mrs Jules. I want to sit on the floor, said Myron. Several kids laughed. Get back in your seat, ordered Mrs Jules. Myron reluctantly returned to his desk. I do live in a cage, he thought. I'm not allowed out. I have to stay in my cage until the bell rings. Then I have to go down the stairs. Then it rings again and I have to go up the stairs. Then when it rings again, I have to go down the stairs. Then when it rings again, I have to go up the stairs. I'm never free. Whoa, already. This is like, (laughs) this is blowing my mind already. That's so good. (laughs) So the bell rang. Myron went down the stairs. It was so crowded with kids rushing to recess that he couldn't stop if he wanted. It was as if someone had lifted his cage and was carrying him down the stairs. The bell rang again. Myron went up the stairs. At lunch, the bell rang again. Myron went down the stairs. After lunch, the bell rang again. Myron stood at the bottom of the staircase and looked up. No, he declared. I won't go. I have to be free. (laughs) I feel you, Myron. (laughs) As all the other kids rushed past him, he eased his way around the back of the stairs. As everybody went up, Myron went down to the basement. He nervously walked down the old creaky staircase. 
he didn't know what he'd find or what would find him. He had heard that dead rats were living down there, or worse, maybe even Mrs. Gorf. That was the teacher who turned kids into apples. Oh. Mrs. Gorf was the meanest teacher Myron ever had. She used to be the teacher on the 13th story before Mrs. Jules took over. But nobody believed that Mrs. Gorf was really gone. Everybody said she was still lurking somewhere inside Wayside School. He stepped off the last step at the very bottom of Wayside School. It was too dark to see. Somewhere he heard a drip that echoed all around the cold, damp room. With his arms outstretched, he stepped across the gritty floor. His hand struck against a large, fat pipe above his head. The pipe felt like it was covered with a thousand spider webs. Still, Myron kept his finger on the pipe as he walked so he wouldn't get lost. As long as he stayed with the pipe, he knew he'd be able to find his way back to the stairs. Something crawled across his hand. He shook it off, then continued walking. <laughs> he thought he heard footsteps behind him. He stopped walking. The sound of footsteps continued for a second, then stopped. He started again, then stopped. The footsteps stopped a few seconds later. He wasn't alone. It was too dark for Myron to see who was following him. He realised that meant that the person couldn't see him either. Whoever was... Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Whoever was coming after him had to have been following all along the pipe as well. Mm. So Myron left the safety of the pipe and headed blindly across the basement. The footsteps continued behind him. He stopped. The footsteps stopped too. Mm. He bent down, then untied and took off his right sneaker. He threw it toward the other side of the basement and he heard it hit the floor. Then the footsteps started after it. Very quietly, he took off his other sneaker and threw it in the same direction. He never heard his shoe hit the ground. The footsteps started after him again. Ooh. He started to run, but slipped in, the, in his socked feet on the spot of slime. His hands hit loud and hard as he fell on the cold floor. The footsteps came hurriedly towards him. He held his breath and tried to be quiet as possible. A light turned on above his head. He screamed. I believe this is yours, said a bald man. He was holding Myron's left sneaker. Next to him were two men with black mustaches. One of the men held a black... How do you say that word? Attache? 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 Attache case? Attache, yeah, I'd say that. No idea. Attache, I'd say. I think it's like a briefcase. Yeah. I'm going to say briefcase. Briefcase. Yeah. <laughs> Myron shook his head. That's not my shoe, he said. I never saw it before. The bald man glanced at Myron's shoeless feet. What's your name? asked the man with the briefcase. <laughs> Myron, <laughs> said Myron. He regretted it as soon as he had said it. He wished he had made up a faint name. The man opened his case and took out a notebook. Myron, he repeated as he thumbed through the notebook. You're supposed to be in Miss Jewell's class at the desk next to the window in front of Sherry. What are you doing out of your cage? I mean seat, asked the other man with a moustache. Whoa. <laughs> I just wanted to be free, chirped Myron. Please don't hurt me. If you let me go back to Mrs. Jules' room, I'll never come down here again. Well, do you want to be free or do you want to be safe? Asked the bold man. Huh? Asked Myron. This is good. Mm -hmm. I love this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you can't have it both ways, said the bold man. It's like the Matrix. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> do you want to be safe? Asked one of the men with the moustache. Do you want to sit in the same chair every day and go up and down the stairs every time the bell rings? You have to go to school five days a week, said the other man with the moustache. 
and you have to go to bed at the same time every day. But first, you have to brush your teeth, said the other man with a moustache. And you won't be allowed to watch TV until you finish your homework, said the other man with a moustache. Mm. You have to go inside when it rains, said the other man with a moustache. But first, you have to wipe your feet, said the other man with a moustache. <laughs> or you can be free, said Morpheus. <laughs> the bold man. <laughs> Morpheus. Morpheus took a pencil and a piece of paper out of his briefcase. So do you want to be safe or do you want to be free? Myron looked at the three men. I want to be free, he said bravely. The man with the briefcase wrote something on a piece of paper and gave it to Myron. Sign here, he said. Myron couldn't read the piece of paper. It was written in some kind of foreign language. He signed his name. The man took the piece of paper and pencil from, from Myron and put them back into his briefcase. Okay, you're free, he said. Good luck, Myron, said the bald man. Here, I think you'll need this. He gave Myron his left sneaker, then reached up and pulled the chain. The light turned off. Myron found himself alone in the darkness. He put his shoe back on, then hopped across the basement floor. He had no idea how to get back. At last, his hand hit against a pipe, but he still didn't know which way to follow it, left or right. He didn't even know if it was the right pipe. He turned left and continued hopping, keeping his finger on the pipe. He was just about ready to turn around and try the other way when he nearly fell over the bottom stair. He hopped up the stairs and continued hopping all the way up to Mrs. Jules' room. He was tired, sore and dirty. You're late, Myron, said Mrs. Jules. Go write your name under discipline, then return to your seat for the arithmetic test. But Myron didn't feel like taking an arithmetic test and he definitely didn't want to write his name on the board. So he sat on the floor. And then he pulled out two guns, <gasps> bent backwards, <laughs> and just started shooting the whole cast. No, no, he didn't do a Neo. But this is how it ends, guys. And there was nothing Mrs. Jules could do about it. He was free. After school, Mrs. Jules found Myron's other sneaker in the teacher's lounge. In the refrigerator. Oh, what a nice little weird ending. <laughs> That is so cool. I like that. I would have loved those as a kid. Yeah. I would have absolutely loved those. I love it. They're really good. My brother just got them for my niece for Christmas last year. Yeah. And she's eating them up. Oh, we yeah. might have to look at getting them for B when she's yeah, older. Yeah, those are awesome. Yeah. Super cool. So they, yeah. I bought them for myself in my 20s um, oh. off of Amazon. And I... I um, in my early 20s, mid 20s, I quit my job and went to the States to travel. Mm. And I had brought these books with me. Oh. And when I was reading them, I came across this book or this story and like, yeah, it blew me away. Yeah. And, that, and I, uh, I have a tattoo of Oddly oh, on my wrist. That's really cool. Band. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, no, I really like that story. If, if you ever do a stream, we'll do another one of these because, yeah, we'd love to do a stream. Yeah, this. definitely. Be well cool. Yeah. I would love that. That's kind of the format of my streams. Like, usually it's chapter by chapter. We just take turns reading. Mm. And... No, I really enjoyed that. So. so I think that's kind of all we've got time for today, Shirley. Is, is, have you got any more streams coming up or any more kind of things that you've got in the works that you want to let everyone know about? Because... We can't wait to join you one day and yeah. do more Wayside. I would love for you guys to join me on my stream for Wayside. I was doing it every Monday. It's a pretty like relaxed schedule at this point. 
Um, I think the next book I'm going to be reading is Say Cheese and Die Again, mm-hmm. which is a sequel. Um, but yeah, I also, on my friend uh, Taylor's uh, Twitch stream, she's Taylor on text on Twitch. We are watching Buffy oh. together oh. every Saturday night. So we're in season, we're just starting season three right now. So it's, yeah, it's just getting good. Because <laughs> I've just, I'm just finishing. I can't. I'm really bad at remembering which seasons which. But it's college days. Yeah, isn't it? yeah. Which I'm not a fan of. Oh no! No, no. I like the I like the OG Buffy. Like when it was awful. <laughs> yeah, I I'm the opposite. I like uh, I like the later seasons, and I'm finding on this rewatch that um, like the first time I watched it, I thought I was like in love with Angel. Yes, yeah, same. The second time oh. I watched it, I was in love with Spike. Yep. And now I'm watching it and I'm in love with Giles. <laughs> love him. <laughs> I can see that so. though. I can see that. Especially when he's like singing as well. When he gets up with a with the band and he's singing. I can see it. Ripper. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> thanks so much for today, Shelley. It's been absolutely awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for indulging in uh Thanks for indulging in reading some Wayside with me. No, that was brilliant. We can't wait to hear more. Yeah. Yeah, I love the pod and thanks for asking me to join you. This was a lot of fun. No worries. No worries. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for listening to us today, guys. Cheers, guys. That's more weird and disturbing books for you. We are also going to be taking a season break soon, yes, aren't we? Yes, we are. We're going to... A little break. Just we'll a have, one. We'll do our finale next week, mm-hmm. but that'll be the end of season one. Yep. Then we'll take a little bit of a break. We'll probably come back sometime in the new year, maybe before the spring. Yeah. Maybe in the spring. Yeah. Going to focus on family inches for Christmas. A lot of family stuff going on, but also we've got too many ideas for episodes in season two that we need yeah. time to actually prepare for them <laughs> yeah definitely some research needs to be done she says like she ever does the research research needs to be done Coop yeah it does mm. someone needs to do it someone needs it's to do it it's a dirty job it's a dirty job you got to do it yeah <laughs> so thanks so much for listening today everyone thanks guys tune in next Friday that will be our last episode of season one before we start doing season two uh, you can catch us on social. We're on yep. Instagram and Twitter at Weird Parents Podcast. Slide into the DMs. Send us any ideas that you've got for weird topics or disturbing mm-hmm. kids stuff that you want to talk about. Anything you want us to react to as well. <laughs> Be always a good one. Always good, especially Sammy doing a react. I hope everyone enjoyed my reaction to the blobby lady and scary stories. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, I've had a few people go, oh my God. I was like, I know, it was so scary. Cool. Cool. Thanks so much, guys. See you later. Love you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>